Hey there. Thanks for checking out this episode of H&M Live. Your support is always greatly appreciated as I'm always striving to provide content that enlightens, entertains, and educates. Look, I've just enabled supporter functionality on the podcast, so click the link in the show description and any support that you provide will be greatly appreciated. Be well. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Folks, as you saw, the title of that opening video is This Is Why. It's very introspective. As I watched it numerous times, it made me pause and think of things that truly matter in life. You know, the simple things, the quality time with family, the appreciation and the awareness of the truly good things in our world. Every day is a journey. Some days are good. Some days are not so good. But like my guest has said, vulnerability is where growth happens. Dana Lattery is an ex-professional hockey player. He played in four leagues over the course of his career. From the Old Grizzlies in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, uh, Western Michigan University and the Central Collegiate Hockey Association, 
Las Vegas Wranglers in the ECHL, then the Utah Grizzlies and Providence Bruins in the American Hockey League. His career ended after a terrible injury and his life took a dramatic turn at that point. We're going to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about his story of submission, of personal reckoning, mental health awareness, and eventually rising above the darkness, finding hope, finding support, and finding purpose. You know, Dana has so much, so much goodness going on in his life right now that we also cannot not talk about his passion that he's now turned into occupation. With that, folks, buckle in. It's about to be a great ride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Dana Lattery. Huh? Oh, what's happening? I, Brother. I'm just taking a moment because Did I get you, you told me you yeah, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> you win. <laughs> oh, that was that was good. That Thank was you, brother. Start. Thank you, man. You know, and I I did that, and again, after every time that I watched that, it, it, it was very introspective, like, like I said, but I think that just speaks volumes to you and your story. And, and again, I've, I've talked to a number of folks within our content creation community and ecosystem that we kind of, kind of know by, by name and by, by uh, face, but they weren't aware of you, the, the backstory. And I wanted to get into some of that. I wanted to, you know, get into that, that who, the why, and the how of Daniel Lattery. So if if you could, just for a quick moment, just give us that brief elevator pitch of who you are, sir. (laughs) So, well, (laughs) right right now, who I am is this guy on a live stream. Uh, I think it's a good question. It really is a good question. And to ask somebody to stand at 10,000 feet and kind of give a perspective on who they are in the small picture of things is, um, I think who I try to be, and I think it's a daily rinse of motivation and inspiration is I just, I try to be positive. I know, uh, every, everybody's had bad stuff go in their life. Everybody, or a lot of people have had worse stuff happen in their life. And maybe some people, uh, have had it a little easier, but I guess again, that is perspective. Uh, and just as as I face things continually, I try to always look uh, to the bright side or to the positive or to the lesson that I can take out of those. Because uh, realistically, we do have one life and you don't really get to go back and do it over again. So um, yeah, I think pivoting would be a very uh, important word to use kind of maybe in my lifestyle that I've yeah. went through. Um, but I guess, you know, there's a lot of things and I've just started taking up uh, climbing mountains recently and I just keep going back to this where it's like it's one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And that is kind of sums up, you know, everything that I've done or accomplished or I want to do as I have to pivot and, and life keeps throwing fun things at you is just that one step in front of another. Uh, I come from a a whole bunch of array of backgrounds. Some people liken me to Jackie Moon, um, just kind of all the hats that I've had to wear throughout my life. But uh, we're here. We're going to jump into it. We're going to discuss, open to questions or comments. Um, yeah, I'm excited and super tell, grateful to be here. I tell you, what, brother, let's let's go into the hockey story because look, I'm a I'm a sports nerd, addict, uh, fan, and, and all that. You've you've heard me on on my sports show, Team No Sleep. I said. There's a lot of sports that I know about, but hockey is the one that I don't, I, I can't get into it until I know the rules. 
right? Mm-hmm. I, I I can be on either side of the of the the you know the playing field. I can be drinking a beer, but I I, I need to know what icing is. I I need to know uh-huh. I, I need to know all that that back end before I can actually say that I can go and cheer and root forward a particular team or a particular squad. Talk to us a little bit. I, I went over your your career a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about. You know, your hockey story about uh, growing up playing hockey, you know, living in Canada and then going on to being a professional player. Talk to us a little bit about that life experience. Yeah, it's uh, super cool, actually, as you're talking about that part. It's something I think just in a self-reflection quickly, um, I tend to kind of, I wouldn't say block it out, but I, mm. I kind of just say it was what it was. And then... I kind of focus on the things that I try to accomplish now. And, and I, I'm super grateful that you brought me here and to talk about it. I I wouldn't say I'm shy to talk about it. I don't know if there's any platforms I've really uh, gone into great lengths about it. But having said that, hockey was literally, uh, and to this date has been the largest thing or the largest feat or accomplishment that I've that I've done in my life. And I don't quite know why I don't, maybe live in that a bit more, Uh, maybe something to unpack at a different time. But hockey was everything. You know, Mm. we grew up in Canada and very few people played football. You know, we had a somewhat of a football team at school, but yeah, it just wasn't cool to play football. Uh, Hockey was your sport. A few kids might've played baseball in the summer, uh, but it just wasn't, it wasn't hockey. And you almost expected everybody played hockey, and if they didn't, you you kind of wondered what was wrong with them. <laughs> you looked or... at it with a little side eye, right? If they if they were not there on the ice, <laughs> yeah. And it was honestly, we just you just played, you loved it. You came home from school, you got on the outdoor rink. We you know we lived outside in the in the country, and uh, we had a pond in our field that we would shovel off. Uh, Our neighbors, the acreage beside us, they had built a rickety outdoor rink beside the barn. So we played between the two places. And honestly, and I know it sounds cliche, like the kid that just stayed out of the rink all the time and then he ends up making it. But it was truly um, the most altruistic form of the game was just on the outdoor rink. And we loved it. And we we had to be drug home and because we didn't (laughs) want to come off the rink. And, you know, then three, four or five nights a week, we also had organized hockey, which we had to probably drive 30, 40 minutes uh, to get to the nearest town to play and loved it and played. There was times I may want to quit. I wanted kind of like what I would call a social life or hang out with my friends. Um, But that's just your age and you don't you don't right. quite understand what you're what you're going after. I was never forced to play hockey. I was always um I was always led and I was pushed and I was motivated and I was made to understand kind of what I could get out of it or what the consequences might be from, you know, quitting at at whatever age. So yeah, that's kind of Nice. I mean, there's there's more in the story. Most uh, definitely, most where you want to go. Well, let, let me ask you this: what, what the the draw? Not not just the, the geography where you were and where you live, but were you drawn more to the competitive side or, or drawn to the the, the team perspective? Um, 
of, of the game. What 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 was the draw of, of hockey for for you in particular? Not not just the region again. Not that everyone played hockey as opposed to baseball, football, or soccer, yeah. or anything of that. What was the draw for me? Well, I I like to uh, be aggressive. There you go. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> we, can get, we can get into it. Uh, yeah, I think there was somewhat of an organized aggression and not to say that that's a testosterone thing that that i needed to fulfill but i i enjoyed competing i was super competitive and uh as soon as there was an age i think about 12 when we were allowed to start full body contact i loved it i i really did i i i didn't i wasn't always the biggest kid at at the start you know i kind of took time to develop in that stuff but i I always played with the older group and I always loved the, I loved hitting people <laughs> like, and that's take it, take it for what it is. It's all part of the game. And it's we understand, the game. Brother. And anyone who's laced them up or, or, or do anything from any sporting perspective, we, we, we know uh, what that is, that, that adrenaline piece. So it's, it's all good. Let's, yeah. Let, let's talk about, I mean, we'd be remiss and I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the, the, the life altering events, right. That, that took you from hockey. So talk about life after hockey and then kind of where you are now. Right. Cause as I mentioned, kind of in the, in the opening segment there, you're doing some things now that really turning that your passion into occupation and, and what you're doing today. So yeah, give us the 30,000 foot level, however you feel comfortable in getting to talking about to why you're no longer playing hockey and in terms of where that is taking you and where you are today, if you don't mind. Yeah, and that's that that's a great question. I think what I what I will just add in there to understand I'm not a uh an animal, <laughs> but the cuz you asked something in there about was it the team did I love the team aspect? What I say now looking from the top down and looking back is there's two things that I miss most about hockey. Uh one of them is the the boys the the dressing room the the hanging out not and i'm really talking about in the dressing room or on the road trips i'm not talking about parties and all that stuff kind of that associates on the outside life of hockey but it was really just that being with the guys in kind of um the locker room aspect but to go with that the other thing that i really miss is in hockey when I don't know what they would call it in other sports, but we call it a bag skate. So basically, um, you know, your team got in trouble, you lost the game, uh, or it was some weird conditioning thing, but you got skated up and down the ice in practice until you pretty much puked, and it was horrible. But the cool part was is I always survived them, and then at the end, we sat in the locker room for like three hours, and we just hung out, and we talked, and because a group of guys that battled through something that we none of us thought we were going to make it through, but yet we could all sit there having reached that kind of common goal. Yeah. So two things just to, cause I think that's going to give uh, a lot of context for things as we move forward is those are two of the things that I truly miss the most about playing hockey. So, uh, in 2005 or six, I blew apart my knee and, uh, it was it was tough. I didn't know which way to turn. I talked with my agent. Uh, he weirdly suggested I should just go to go to camp and see if I can get through it. I couldn't even walk. There's no way I was 
get into camp to do it. Um, so yeah, we got in to see a doctor. Uh, we had surgery. Fast forward about 14 months later after three surgeries and you're quickly reminded at the professional level that you're nothing but a stock or a, or a, yeah. a piece of meat to say it how it is. And uh, when you've kind of been on the back shelf for 14 months in rehab and you're not a Tom Brady, uh, you're nobody. And their money matters. Their investment in you is a really high risk right now uh, because of what you've gone through. And so they just kind of, so it is. And so I, I, I probably could have tried to stick through three, four more years playing uh, at a really low level of pro, trying to work my way up. Uh, something about it just defeated me in that that aspect of seeing that the hockey at that level, and you know, maybe I'm going to get in trouble for saying this one day, but there's a very small fraction of people that actually enjoy playing at that professional level. Wow! And those those are the high end people who they've got it made. They're on that team no matter what. But everyone else, and probably seventy percent of people on the team, they're up and they're down and their jobs are in jeopardy and they move, you know, they play, oh, you're traded to Nashville, you're traded to Toronto, uh, you're going to Florida, your wife and kids live here, you're basically living out of a suitcase. And, you know, if it's not, if it's not probably for the paycheck, I, I don't know how many of them, and I've talked to a lot of them post-pro, and they all share the same thing. It's like, it's not all it seems. It's It's a really... It's a different lifestyle, and uh, let me let me dive into that a minute. And I, I wanted to let you continue that that, that line of dialogue uh, because I think that was relevant. I think that was important. I appreciate folks that are in the comments that are that are bringing up. We we see it, Doctor Doctor Pelzer. I think that's interesting because it's it's almost like once you become pro, semi pro, or you you reach that level, you reach that pinnacle. There, from what you're possibly saying, there's a majority of folks who have lost that passion that they had when they were out there in the backyard, in the back rink with their friends at the 12, 13, 14 years old of just getting out there and playing and competing with the guys right now that you're in this business and mm-hmm. you're really just, you know, hate to say it, but it's true, right? When, when you're just a social security number or when you're just that number on, on the back of your Jersey, yeah, the shift changes, right? When you got GMs that you got to deal with, when you, when you've got organizations and business to, to deal with, it's always going to be about the cup. You know, getting to that point of where you're winning a championship and and the residual uh, things that come out of that. It seems like what you're saying is that a lot of players in in that sport, maybe even other sports as well, lose sight of what really got them there, and they realize that they are just a disposable asset yeah and so i would say they don't lose sight the game has changed mm-hmm. it changes at that level because you know eight some of those guys that can be a very well-to-do paycheck and it can set them up for a really good life um but the game you played is i, I just don't think it's that's just my opinion but it, mm-hmm. it changes at that at that level i think it's very few people enjoy it. And if you said to somebody, Hey man, here's, you know, $3 million a year to just go do this instead of this, there's two things. Possibly there's also the addiction, the, the, the high of, 
uh, fame and fortune, the high of living this lifestyle that you're literally uh, wrapped up in a bow. Mm-hmm. When I when I came out of pro, I I didn't know how to make a dentist appointment. I mean, you just pick up the phone and make one. And people have told me this over the years, and I'm like, I hear you, but I didn't have to do that. I had somebody to do that for me. I I needed something, and I got it now. And so as I came back into society and became uh, just a normal, I I didn't do well with that. And I I was not the guy that Sidney Crosby is or uh, Tom Brady is at at those levels. But you still had a level of uh, proism that you, yeah. So it's all these addictions at that level that keep you there. And you know, that game you played at 12 and 13, I, I don't think it exists at that level or if it does, it's for very few people. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's, that's, and I think that's across. And again, I'm third person looking in on Monday morning quarterback and all of that. It just says, I would, I would assume that that's at, at that level for all major sports. Right. Again, you, yeah. you, you, you get locked into that bubble. You get locked into that arena where you have people to take care of you and to do those types of things for you. Right. It, to do those administrative everyday types of activities. And when you're in there, when you've got a jersey with your name on it and your number on it, you got other folks rocking that jersey. You, you know, you really you are someone and, and you're, you've always been someone. But but again, you've got folks that know you when you walk down the street and and you do kind of feel I would I would assume separated from the regular citizens out there, and going from that before you were ready to leave from that, right? Because yeah, you you, yeah. you had to leave from that due due to injury and things of that nature. Talk to us a little bit about again rising from that and 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 going through some of that transition and, and kind of as I called it that that submission that that personal reckoning to where you are today and where you are now. Yeah, so. uh you kind of look at it like this. You were, uh, you know, obviously to get to the to the pro hockey is like 0.002% of kids that play hockey get to that level. Uh, to get to play in NCAA University was a dream come true. That is an extremely low level. Uh, and and I, you might have some stats about uh, college athletes and stuff like whatever, but it's like <clears throat> from a, for a Canadian kid to go to university in the States is like we'd, we got a trip to Disneyland. Like <laughs> college up here is different and it's not like down there. And I yeah. tell that to kids that all the time, it's like that is a whole new world of glorious success and try to get to that. And then from taking yourself there, the pyramid narrows as you get closer to the top. And now you've got to, you got to make it again. And so it's like, you're always somewhat the best. You're thought of as the best. You have a stigma on you as, you have to be the best. So you come home in the summer and you see everybody and it's like, oh, you made it again. No, this guy's put up here on a pedestal where um, you're not, when you're not there anymore, you kind of feel like you, do, you feel like a loser. You're like, I failed. Mm. I failed everybody here. I can't keep going on. And so I'm not what everybody thought it was. So it's like, do I feel like fraudulent? Do I feel like I just didn't make it? And then what you realize is so many people disappear from your life. They had an agenda and the agenda. Talk, talk about that right right there. Talk about that again. Talk about those sometime of friends or those sometime, you know, the ones that call you when you got something in your bank account or when, when you can get them free tickets. That, that, that's that's yeah. an interesting perspective. Yeah, it is. And I and I mean, as the last 15 years, I they, they exist in in everything that I've done since then. 
but it was a huge drop at that level where it was like, oh, you're not, you're not in the newspaper. I didn't read about you. Oh, I can't hear, you know, like you don't serve me. And so it's over. And so you just really started working a real job. You started waiting for a month to get into a dentist like everybody else. Um, You know, you had to wait in line to get in restaurants. You had to make a reservation and nobody cared. And And it's, and it's, a huge hit to your ego, however you want to take that. It's the truth. And it's very, it's dark. It's a very, you find yourself in a very dark place because you can't get that high anymore because it's gone. You can't, you know, like, so you're always trying to find like, what's the next thing to do to be in that kind of limelight at at whatever. And I, and I know I wasn't at the level that some or a lot of these, you know, high end athletes are, but you were there, you got a taste of it and it's a drug and now it's gone. And the people who are around you, you were like, you know, going to the bar and paying for everyone's drinks cause, cause you could, and it didn't right. matter at the time. They're gone. They're not there. They're not there when you can't pick yourself out of bed for three weeks uh, because you don't understand what the point is anymore, but yet you're still trying to go to work to pay your bills, but nobody's calling you to like, come on a radio show, come on a TV show, go do an autograph signing at the blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's dark and it's tough. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about, so, I mean, we're, we're getting into it folks and appreciate it. Everyone that is joining in for, for the conversation, but I, w- I want to go just another layer, just deeper into that because you lived it, you saw it. We can only assume it, or we have the perception again, third person looking in, but you know, at that point, when you leave the league, when you leave that limelight and you realize that 70 percent, I'm going to use a high number, 70 percent of the folks who were around you, who were part of your team, part of your squad, were only there because you were buying them the drinks and you were getting them in, into the games and things of that nature. When you retired, right, when when you left the game, is, is there resources for folks to rely on? Are, are there counseling uh experts and and things of that nature or is it that you had to go out there and find those people yourself but why do you look for them because you you shouldn't need that you're always the best okay so like i i don't nothing was there that i knew of that or there enough that i didn't have to go look for it but why go look for it because if i got caught looking for it that's like the low of the low like who's like this guy's you know everybody wants it's funny because love or hate Tom Brady. I think it's really ironic how many people I've saw post in the past few days of like, thank God. Or like, there's that Facebook one. It's like Mark safe from ever having to watch Tom Brady again. It's like, did this is a guy's the greatest winning quarterback, yeah, like yeah. an absolute, an absolute phenom. Yeah. Who cares what team or whatever, whatever that guy was a phenom, Yes. but everybody wants him to fall and crash. And I, and I don't know why that's a societal norm, but if you feel like that, you come out of hockey, out of pro, and people, you just so people just want you to fall. And then I don't know if it makes them feel better because a lot of people live, you know, you have success, I can't have success. It's a very minimalist, controlling mindset. But I think a lot of people live that way. It's like, hey, if your if your live stream goes well, then mine can't. 
well, not that's that's totally irrelevant. Yeah. And so when people see you or people that kind of grew up maybe playing at the same level as you, and then you went on, and then you come back because you got hurt, they're like, crash, crash, I want this guy to like fail, and then I can say, see, he didn't go anywhere, and and it makes it makes people feel good, and so I. I mean, and that's kind of what I went through was I just kind of held it in and I was like, I don't, I don't want help. I don't want to show weakness. I'm a man. I got here on my own. I'll get out of this on my own. No, I, I think, I think that makes sense. And, and, and I hear that and it, it's just, it's interesting. And it, I think it's good for us all to hear as well that it's not specific to a specific society, a specific culture, a specific demographic, right? Again, and I was telling this to my mom the other day, right? If you don't have haters, you're not winning, <laughs> right? right? Everyone seems they, they to have- the end for the people in the back. <laughs> right, I mean, and, and why is that, right? It, it, why can't we allow people to succeed? And why can we not, we, we in general, as, as, as yeah. a society, not see- Dana is down right now and we reach out with both arms to lift him up in, in his most necessary and need, needing moment, right? We're all, we're always there when, when you're renting the limousine and when, and when you're buying uh VIP access at, at the club or whatever the case may be. But when you get hit by a puck in the eye, when you, when you have to go through major surgery, right? When, when you're down at that level, why is it so difficult for someone to to pick up the phone and send you a text message and, and just say, "Brother, you you doing good," and 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 that's across everyone. Go go into it, man. I'm I'm about to because get excited here. <laughs> it, t- it takes work. Okay. You know when you Talk you know that. when you actually ask somebody how they're doing and they say not good, people get so uncomfortable. Like go to the store, and someone says, "How's it going?" and say, "Actually, I'm not doing well." Watch how many people stick around. We'll, we'll hear that, and we don't want to continue on with the discussion, right? We'll say, oh, it's, do, do it's bad. Work. Don't want to go in there. Don't want to do the work. It's work, and it sucks, and it's not fun. And, Y'all hear and, this now. And I know so often, and especially what we're trying to do, and I, I know it comes from a fly fishing industry, which we'll get into, but like with our live stream and stuff, it's like tru- truly, I, I believe as humans, we do things out of necessity and maybe subconsciously things that didn't exist for us. And we try to build them as a coping mechanism. And something we just do there is just try to be vulnerable because it, even in that industry, there's an enormous group of people that just absolutely hate what we're doing. But it's like, but why? You know, like in a group of people that ask somebody, if you need something, call me. Yeah. Somebody calls you and you sit there and you care about them and they're floored, but it takes work and it's not fun. And so people, that's, it's more fun and easier for people to sit there and just cut you down behind your back than to reach out and say, how can I help? Cause you might need help. Yeah. All right. So you're, you're there, right? You're, you're underneath the bus, right? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm being generalistic kind of in, in that statement there. Right. And how, how do you, how do you get back on your knees? How do you get back on your on your feet? How do you how do you how do you stand up again? What what helped you get from those dark moments to where you are today? Was was it fly fishing, brother? Was 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 it that? Was it that? Yeah, it was. It <laughs> it was truly. It was. It honestly was spending time outside. Yeah. And I and I grew up in a in a younger childhood uh, hunting with my dad. Well, let's just say we were. We were riding horses in the mountains looking for animals. We never found any, but 
uh, we were going after bighorn sheep, which is a really tough hunt, and it's fourteen days on horseback, and it was and it was horrible, and it was cold, and but but something about that clicked, and I I realized after hockey ended that I needed to go back outside to whatever whatever you believe the outdoors does for you. It it it's truly filled me with something, and it slowly kept pulling me to the river's edge, and it kept pulling me to go walk through, you know, mountains and valleys and just kind of be outside and just say like, may- maybe because that's one of the few things left there at, at its truest form. Mm, um, I love you that. go, you go to the river and the river, it doesn't care if I'm black or white or purple or female or male or, or six feet four or three foot seven or overweight or underweight. The, the fish don't care the, the, I've never had a fish turn around and look at me and judge me it judges my presentation of my flies, but that's not me. And so it, I think it just puts us at this this arena of equality that I think it's like, wow, nobody, nobody judges. The river doesn't judge me. You know, some days I feel like I know what I'm doing. Some days I don't feel like I know what I'm doing, but I'm just, I'm at like this real, this homeostasis equal playground. Mm-hmm and i i'm not i'm not judged at, at that playground i'm just i can be me and and that's cool so you're, you're you're taking that passion as i called it in the in the intro and you're sharing that with folks in your in your community talk to us a little bit about uh the fly fishing bow river outfitters and and the activities that you're doing and how you're how you're giving back to the community, providing them with that excitement of being out there in the outdoors, being out there doing something that, that you love and that uh, they love as well. I, I got a picture that I'm going to pull up here in a second and I'm going to need you to explain. <laughs> you <do. laughs> I'm going to need you to explain this picture. So, folks, make sure make sure you stick around because I, I got some questions for, for Dan. But talk to us a little there's bit some, about there's some There's some uh, there's some fun videos floating around the ECAM fam. So I, I I'm not sure if you got that far, but. So what? Yeah, fly fishing bow river outfitters. Uh, we're a guide service, uh, a fly fishing guide service. Uh, fly fishing is the hardest way to catch fish, so we're super crazy for doing that. Um, but I, it's a very pure form of, like you can see from the pictures, is just kind of being out in the nature. We are catch and release only. Some people think we're crazy because why do you go to all that work to catch a fish? Put it back. Why don't you eat it? So it's about sustainability where we're from. Uh, most of those fish in those photos, they're um, like they're either native or they're wild trout. They're not introduced. They're not stocked. They just literally, and that's cool, right? Like, I mean, that so, thing was born. So you can go out, you can go out there. It, it, you're you're not in a controlled environment. I mean, obviously, no, from it, the pictures, you can tell that. So you you may go out there and you may catch something. You you may not catch something. You you may get your limit and you may come back getting skunk, but you'll have a good fish story. Is that, yeah, is that what you're telling? Okay. That's why it's attractive for me because I, like I said, I'm competitive, and you know I don't win out there and whatever winning <laughs> is. But like I, I, I truly want to go back because I, I'm like, hey, I got to be better. What yeah. can I do to learn? What can I be better? So yeah, our our outfit service we take people from all over the world. We have we have a shorter season up here because we're in Canada, but typically like June through October is when we guide, and uh, those are all my. The guys that work with me and some of my best friends standing right there. Uh, I guess the team that we built, and yeah, we 
take people down the river in our drift boats or we do walking wades. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's fun because I know what it did for me, the yeah. fishing aspect and getting to take people out of my boat. I love chatting with people. Uh, you might've seen our, our slogan there. Love people catch fish Yes, yes, is truly, you know, and, and that was a, a societal norm in the industry of fly fishing that we had to kind of take a run with because there's a lot of ego in the, in the fishing industry. What? Um, how is there ego in the fishing? You either know how to tie a, t- a fly. You need to know how to bait a hook with the one. Talk yeah. to me about this, man. Come on. Well, so because it's a place that people can go and hide and then create stuff on their social media to make them feel or look or appear that they're, there's no ring. Like you want to, you're tough. You want, we, we fight in hockey. Me and you Saturday at seven, uh, me and James, we got to go. Me, no, like, man, I'm not, I'm not, we, look, I'm not, we know we're fighting against... <laughs> Saturday and you got to show up. Yeah. And, and so you get called out on it. And, but in this industry, it's kind of evolved in a little ways where I think people are, it's, 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 it's driving some egos and I don't like it. Um, it's, it has taken a bit of fun out of, out of fishing, but what we tried to do there was, it's like, dude, let's just go back to fishing. Let's go back to loving, loving on people, people come in our boat. Yeah. Some days there's a lot of fish and some days there's barely any, and we got a pretty good grasp on what to do. But at the end of the day, the river always wins and let's just go out there and take from nature what we get. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to come back at the end of the day with stories, pictures, memories, some caught fish, some lost fish, but you're going to have a huge smile on your face. And that's what we do because we control the experience. We don't control the fishing. And so the ego, it's not about me. It's not about me out there. It's about the people in our boats. And that's where we just truly remove the ego of it. Um, But that's just the stuff that we're trying to keep pushing forward. Right. Because that other stuff does creep up. And social media is, you know, probably to blame for it. I think there's value in, in also what, what you said there from a different perspective, right? You've taken yourself out of the equation, right? You've made it about your community. You've made it about your clients. You've made it about your experience. So you just provide the vehicle to, to get to that experience and you, you cut people loose, right? Get out there, have fun, maybe turn off the phone for a minute. Maybe, maybe just in, enjoy the water o- over your head. Maybe in, enjoy that fight of that, of that fish hitting the line. And then when you miss it and then you go out there and you try to get it again, but, but there's value in that statement as well, right? Taking yourself out of the conversation because it's not about you. No. Again, you're, you're, you're just providing, like I say, the vehicle to get there and letting folks hopefully have the best experience that they, that they can. But I will tell you what, let me, let me back up to one second. You said you, you and me fight. Look, brother, look, I'm 195, <laughs> right? I'm 195, 12% body fat. You got a hundred pounds. Or I'm not going to, I'm not going to call you big fellow, but you, you got a little bit more on me than, than I'm, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> squaring off with you on nobody's <laughs> yeah. in the ring nowhere. So let me just, I'm going to be on your team. I got you six, but, um, I want to know about this picture right here. Oh yeah. So talk, talk to me about this right here, but you are in the water with a couch. What, what is, what's going on? Man? Come on. So here's a great example. Somebody would say uh, that we staged the photo. We drug a couch out there. 
And it's just what people want to do. But the, the truth behind the story was me and a buddy were floating. That was probably five years ago. And so in June, all of the mountain snow melts and it comes down into the rivers and it's called runoff. Well, the water can get high. Not this high. Like this didn't go into somebody's house. There's an old cabin close to the river and people have been vandalizing it over the years. And from what I hear is that this apparently was pushed into the river. The river's super clean. Like this is rare. This isn't like, oh, wow, we see this all the time. It was it was so rare. Yeah. The funny part is, and this is this is how it happened, is we pulled over and I said to my buddy, I got to catch a brown trout and sit in the brown couch. <laughs> and so 20% of the fish in the river are brown trout. So that's even against the odds. And the spot we were in, I wouldn't call it a fishy spot. And I went upstream about 40 yards and like third cast, I, I hooked into a, that fish. He was down by the couch, netted it. And we just took some pictures and I tagged it like my dad always said nothing good comes from sitting out on the couch. I beg to differ. <laughs> Dude, this picture right here, it, it needed some explaining and I, it's got to be one of the coolest things I, I've seen in a while. But but again, that's literally you living your best life. And I, and I love that that aspect of it right there. And look, see, folks are talking, talking in the comments. Yeah. You know, Melanie said, well, my money is on Dana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm completely with you. Talk to us a little bit about some of the other ventures that you're doing, right? So again, I know that takes a, a lot of the time. You know, you, you've got a amazing show on on your YouTube channel that is full of variety, full of comedy. It's full of all kind of goodness. Talk, talk to us a little bit about again how you spend your time creating film, being a content creator, providing value, uh, also dur during the uh, your YouTube session as well. Yeah, so I, I think. <clears throat> Probably at heart, I would call myself a storyteller. Uh, and sometimes my friends will say, as i about to tell a story, they're kind of like, well, grab a sandwich and a coffee because this one's going to take a while. Um, I like to add some color, sometimes exaggerate in storytelling. I think it just makes it fun for the people uh, just to hear a story that's thought out and... Uh, but anyway, so behind that is things I like to do is create films, tell short stories, uh, take photos. I love telling stories through photos. I ultimately love capturing emotion. And whether that's through the telling of a story and watching people watch it, whether that's through a photo and having people interpret it, that's kind of where my content creation comes up. Uh, what we're seeing here and what James was talking about was a show that we started about four years ago. So it it is niche. It is in the fly fishing realm. Uh, but what we do is we tie flies. So what flies are is, uh, uh, I guess it's artificial food that a fish would eat. So we, we, as fly fishermen, we tie them all out of fur and feathers and put it on a hook and we try to make it look like a bug and then if the fish believes us they'll eat it and then we hook the fish so what we did four years ago is we started a show uh we we used to go to a brewery um and people would come there and hang out with us and we would tie flies like you can kind of see in the previews here uh, people would join us at the brewery but we would always stream it on facebook uh, we thought maybe 
we didn't predict COVID coming, but we're like, oh, maybe one day if we couldn't make it to the brewery, we could still sort of stream it and we would capture that audience because we're, we're already doing this. So as it grew over kind of, uh, and that's Cole there from the TNL fam. And so as it grew and evolved and pivot, like I said at the beginning, COVID hit, weren't allowed to go to the brewery. Everybody was at home. So in my basement, where, where I am right now, I had to create a bit of a, a makeshift studio, get the show up and running and tie the flies. So, you know, that's just, this thing's evolved. The coolest part, and like Cole had, had wrote in the comments there, is that this, again, it's not about us. We've removed ourselves from this equation. It's about this incredible, and, and I truly mean that, is the, we call it the TNL family. So the Thursday Night Live family, the group of people that show up every single week. They support each other through helping with tips and tricks on, on their crafts on the fly time. Yeah. Um, they help each other with life questions. I've seen so many of this group come together outside of the Thursdays. They get a fish together in the summer. They become best friends. There's people dating out of it. There's, it's just really uh, become a really cool place. And it's something I needed because I now have a giant group of friends who are just there for me as I am them. And that's, that's pure. That's I truly, and we talked about it earlier, how you lose all your friends when you stop being a somebody. This isn't the, this isn't the case. This, this, whatever evolved or whoever took the reins on this one. And it wasn't me, uh, created a really cool group of people uh, that we call the TNL family. And so we, we just, me and Tim, we got to be here and facilitate this, make fun of ourselves and wear goofy costumes and try to bring some humor to it. Uh, but truly it's, it's a group of people who show up every single Thursday and hang out with us and laugh and cry. And, and uh, we kind of hit all the elements yeah. of, of the feels in that show. Listen, I, I, I've been there a couple of Thursday nights and I've enjoyed it. You, you see me rocking gear too, right? Rep- representing right all right i'm i'm I part of the inner squad somebody uh-huh. better recognize right pressing so look this this is where we got our gear i'll put the link in so folks can definitely get get some of 100%. the the tnl tnl gear um but i like that right because th- that shows and that proves that there's healing in in community and family right so it's so kind, of, kind of bringing it back to 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 that conversation there's there's joy there's value there, there's hopefulness and, and being around people who have similar interests, folks that care about you, you know, let, let's get out there and let's have some fun. Let's go out there and throw these, throw these lines in, in the water. Now you, are you a, Melanie's, Melanie's a Fisher, Fisher person too. Are you, are you a Shakespeare or are you a, an, an ugly steak kind of person or, or talk, talk to me, who, who are you using to, to throw stuff out there? Are you, I'm an, are I'm you, an ugly steak for, as for my, from my fishing pole. What, what, what do you use? So, Huh? The fly, the fly fishing is a, is a little different world oh, than the. Oh man, I don't see. I don't know what I'm talking about. I sh- I must stay in my but, lane. No, but it's it's good point because yeah. uh, when fly fishing started, it was probably a, a predominantly white, sixty year old rich person <laughs> sport. It it was. It truly was. And waders out there in, in three feet of water. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was a sport for the rich people because it was like these really like exclusive places the gear was expensive and it and it fit a class of white males that could afford to go do it and it was it it was what it is what's cool about that is that in probably the past 10 15 years is it's changed 
And it's really making a change and that's super awesome. And it's the things with the TNL fam where it's like, you know, we're, we're not uh, exclusive to like a certain group of dudes that want to come in. It's like everybody's welcome. And that's truly what fly fishing is becoming is this really cool place for people to entry level. There's, there's, cause the gear is a whole nother thing and it's, and it, whatever, like the actual, like just fishing gear on its own, you can go to Walmart and grab 20 bucks and, and go fishing fly fishing it's there's a lot of parts to it so it's it's different but those some of those bigger companies have really made it for everybody and it's really cool to see that adapt and that it's you know when you said stay in your own lane it's like yeah there's a lot of garble jarble about fly fishing that mm. i don't even understand truly and i try to learn and it's my profession but what we're trying to do is just make it so it's fun for everybody whether you want to go out to the stream by yourself. You want to get a guide. It's affordable. It's fun. It's a really uh, an inclusive place for everybody to just join and also get that fulfillment that fly fishing brings to me. I love it. I love it. And and I'm gonna be selfish for you, but I, I'm I'm gonna say at at the core, there that's what matters, right? Because again, and again, I'll, I'll go back to how how I started. Life has a lot of good days. Life has a lot of bad days. You, you, you've been right, kind of right 50, 50, 50 there. And let's, let's just change that ratio to, to more positive, more, more enlightening, more uplifting days. And I, I think from what I see, again, third person looking in, you moving into, into this realm of helping people as an out, outrigger, outfitter, as a, as a fly fisher, things of that nature really helps your state of being, um, more than you may want to admit to it. It's selfish. It hundred percent. Nothing wrong with being selfish, man. Nothing wrong with being and selfish. And I, I read this quote and I can't remember who it was, but they said it might've been like Denzel Washington or, or uh, Will Smith or somebody, but they said being giving or, or doing what we do is the most selfish thing you can do because it actually fills up your cup mm-hmm. more than anything. And I, I read it. I was annoyed when I read it. I'm like, well, I'm not selfish, but I'm like, that's why I do it. Cause it, yeah. tr- it, it really, and, it, and the more you get to do it, it's addicting and it's fun. And you get to see other people like having aha moments and having joy. And it's like, that's great. That's filling me up. And I want to do more of this. And it, it, it just becomes this like cyclical thing where once they taste it, they start doing it and then they do it. And then that person tastes like, we have people on our show that, yeah, just like all they want to do is they reach out to us and say, you know, we had a lady last year. She's like, can you find somebody in your area that couldn't afford to go on a fishing trip with you guys? I want to pay for it and I want you to take them. Wow. And I, and I, and I, she, I don't know her. She doesn't know us. She doesn't know the people we're choosing to take. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just stuff like that because everybody it's so contagious that, you know, and we got to be the facilitators of it. So as we continue to reciprocate that, everybody does. And that that's what makes that group so cool. And it's very healing for myself. I love it, man. I love it. Tell you what, let me be cognizant of your time because uh, I, I know you got, you got things that you probably got to get into. You got some flies to flies, the flies, the, the, the tie and, and things of like that, but I've already got the link right there below you kind of in all the worthers, but tell folks what you got coming up next. Tell folks where they can catch you because, uh, you're definitely someone that I want to make sure that people stay in contact with. Yeah. So I, 
kind of all over the place. Uh, social media, Instagram is a fun place for me to hang out. Uh, first cast, last pass is social media for the most part. Uh, fly fishing, Bow River is social media. Uh, either first cast, last, last pass dot com or fly fishing, Bow River dot com. Uh, kind of easy to find that. We've got every Thursday, even if you don't tie flies, uh, you can download a free bingo card and there's tons of prizes that we give away every week that cost you nothing. Uh, come hang out and enjoy the show with us. Uh, even if you're, if you've never fly fished or that's something you think you would never ever do, just come watch. Cause it's actually like, it's like arts and crafts for grownups kind of thing. The way the flies are put together. Uh, Tim who does all the fly tying, he's if not one of the best fly tires in the world he is super compassionate with people in his teaching and and how he ties the flies. So we're super lucky to have him on our show. Um, as far as like films and stuff, we went to Oman a couple of years ago and we shot a film and we're hoping to go back this fall and shoot part two of that film. Um, YouTube has a bunch of our films on it. Um I don't remember where I keep everything, so reach out and, and ask me anything. And if you just need to talk or whatever, I'm also here for that. Um, and I enjoy getting to learn things about all different sorts of new people out there. So f- please do reach out and uh, we can chat. I love it. I love, man, appreciate that, man, because there's value in the conversation. There's value in hearing the story of someone who's who's been there at, you know, that perspective who again a lot of us fans we 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 look up to or we we admire or we you know wonder what it is like behind the curtain uh in in that locker room and that kind of thing and then what life is like afterwards and and to hear that you know it's not always fun and games it's not always rosy on either side and the fact that there's struggles to get from that lowest part to get to a higher part in life and i, I like the statement that you said before vulnerability is where growth happens. So Dana, Matt, Dana, with, with that, you, you, you're one of the coolest kids on the block, brother. And I, I appreciate uh-huh. you uh, coming and spending some time with us. Uh, I, I will definitely put all of the links to your social media handles and folks, if you have any questions about anything, uh, re- reach out to folks, be, be in people's lives. Be know your yeah. sphere of influence. Know know your circles, and just just text somebody, call someone around you, just because today, right? If if I can give you, if, if Dana and I can give you some of that homework for today, just just text somebody and say hello, check in on them, make make sure they're doing all right. And to be good to yourself, brother. Thursday, I'm chi- I'm tuning in. I might wear my shirt again. I'm gonna try to I win something. Represent. I'm a, I'm gonna win a, a fly. I'm gonna win a fishing trip. Uh-huh. Something. There's speak. There's speakers. There's stickers. Yeah, there's I'm, hats. I'm there's 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 just not only fishing stuff. So I I want to thank you for taking time to bring me on. I know we've been trying to connect, and uh, we'll have to jump into the sports show one one night here too. And uh, yeah, giving me a place to just kind of talk that that always uh, seems to help. Awesome. I appreciate you, brother. Be good to yourself. You guys be well to yourself as well. We out.